Hey, this is Joe Namath, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jeff fans. Jeff fans. Jeff fans. Are very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jeff fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. Call it everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast. Broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. We are broadcasting to you on the Elite Sports Radio Network. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, none other than the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everybody! Yo! Oh, you heard him, you heard him. Also, the man behind the glass, you know his name, the Majestic Beast, former Division I tight end, Uh-oh. Nicholas Kronk. Everybody, uh, thanks again for joining us. Happy to have a little sliver and I'll uh, be able to join you guys for a little bit tonight as well. And we also have a special guest, a good friend of Mike, joining us on the podcast, Bronx born and raised, former Wisconsin Badger, Yusef Burgess on the phone. What's up, Yusef? What's up, AEBG? Good to be on the show. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. Talk to the listeners. Uh, we're going to talk about Sam, our team, our future, the Super Bowl, and all those great things. First thing I wanted to ask you, though, is you were born and raised in the Bronx. What high school in the Bronx did you play football in? Uh, so I went to Dewey Clinton High School big time, you know, uh, big time football programs, great coaches. Uh, had the opportunity to, to get coached by some incredible coaches while I was there. But just a fantastic school. Love it. I'm a big, big alumni. When I was in New York, prior to moving to Texas, I spent a lot of time at the school trying to get back to those kids. It's a fantastic school with a rich tradition. And now you're down, um, if I'm not mistaken, you're down in Texas, near in, in Mike's area, right? Yes, sir. Down in Houston, Texas. Another New Yorker. So you said, what? I always ask Mike this. What is it like? Now, you've been down there for a while, right? You've been down there for a little while? About 10 years now. About yeah. 10 years. So what's it like, Texas compared to New York? You know, now I'm not saying better or worse, just the difference in culture, and was it easy for you to adjust moving down there? I think it was a lot easier because, you know, I had family, you know, I had kids that were in school when I came down here, and I had been coming down here prior to us moving down here because my wife was you know raised here so you know i had been coming down and i tell you what the first time i actually came to houston you know we we left new york we flew down to houston around january 1st it's like 1997 98 or something like that and i get off the plane at 70 degrees here i was like yo well, i need to get to houston <laughs> <laughs> what, what do i need to do to get to houston man i'm tired of shoveling with snow so how did you end up playing for the Wisconsin Badgers. Did they recruit you when you were in high school from an early age? Is that always where you wanted to go? Did you was that was that one of your top schools when you were being recruited? Yeah, so you know what happened with and you know, uh coming out of high school actually we had a we had a ton of guys come out of high school. Uh my high school we actually had four three other guys. So four of us went to division one school. We played oh, in, wow. in the champ we played in the championship game and we lost in the championship game but we had a ton of talent on our team man. We we wound up getting recruited. I had one of my good friends Dan Santa he wound up going to Minnesota, Chris Bryant wound up going to uh, Syracuse. We had myself, I went to Wisconsin, and then another guy, Juan Stoops, he wound up going to uh, one double A school. This is all one high school? Oh my God. One one high school football team. So You guys are murdering people in high school, I mean. But even in the Bronx, I mean, a lot of cats sleep on the talent coming out of the out of the city. Yeah, There's true, a, lot true. Of, a lot of the athletes coming out of, you know, the city against that in Long Island. I mean, uh, we had another guy that 
guy, Jamel Brown, wound up coming to Wisconsin with me. He was a fantastic athlete. Looked, you know, <laughs> looked like he could run the option on a, on Notre Dame's team. Just a, a stud. Just great athletes all around. And I, you know, I was actually I was getting recruited to go to Iowa because uh, Bernie Wyatt, who was a big time, was a big time Iowa player uh, back in the '40s and '50s. He, he you know, became, became a coach. Did a lot of recruiting. Recruited a bunch of guys out of Brooklyn. The Harmon brothers, all these guys wind up going to Iowa in the mid-80s and early 80s and turned the program around like, I mean, it was just that beast there. I just, I was fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time, uh, you know, on a, on a good team that was winning. And of course, anytime you win, you know, you get a lot of attention and that's what, caught, you know, Bernie Wyatt's eye gave me the opportunity, you know, to get on that radar. But, you know, he wound up going, leaving Iowa, going to Wisconsin. That's what opened the door. Oh, that, that's fantastic. So you, you got to Wisconsin, you played with them for three years, I believe? Uh, actually, I played four years. I played as a true freshman. Yeah. Um, crazy story about that is that I was getting, I, I actually was supposed to get redshirting. Uh-huh. But um, there's the... The, the, the guy who was in front of me that we had a linebacker from Pennsylvania Todd Orlando who weird story I mean Todd hurt himself he got hurt he hurt his back uh-huh. and he you know he went out on a medical red shirt so basically they had nobody else to you know step up um, you know wound up getting taken out of my red shirt after about three games and, 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 and played so how old, you, how old were you you were, how were you 18, 19? 18 yeah I was 18 <laughs> <laughs> That's his hey, but that's opportunity, man. You just took advantage yeah. of the opportunity, oh, and and yeah. so that think what a normal eighteen year old is doing nowadays. Oh god, comparison to him, like, that's just my fault. That's yeah, that's not. So then, so then you uh, you played for four years, and then your last year, you ended up in the Rose Bowl, the nineteen ninety four Rose Bowl against the UCLA Bruins, where the Wisconsin Badgers won twenty one to sixteen, and you led. The team in tackles in a championship performance in a Rose Bowl? Tell us! Tell the AEBG what's it like to play in a Rose Bowl and be the leading tackler on a championship game. i tell you what, you know, uh, I felt running out of that tunnel that I was not only carrying the BX NYC as a representative, but, you know, all the cast that, you know, hoped and dreamed of doing bigger things in that line. You know, like for a kid, you know, if I tell the story of a kid from the Bronx looks to go to a Division One school, ultimately winds up playing in a Rose Bowl. That's like a, that's like a storybook, you know. What I mean, somebody, yeah, yeah. somebody would be like, "Yo, that's that can't happen," you know. What yeah. I mean? But but I was I was blessed enough to be able to show a bunch of cats, "Yo, it could happen if you're just willing to focus and do the things you need to do. It could happen to you too." Well, that's amazing that in that moment, such a big moment too, you had the, the clarity to have that perspective that you just mentioned. Because a lot of times, I think in life, and in, in moments that aren't even close to as big as that, people just kind of overlook it and they rush yeah. through it, man. So that's yeah. that you can look back and. Remember that. That's that's something you can hold on to for the rest of your life. When your team that year, can I ask you a question? The week before the Rose Bowl, if I have this right in my research, you guys played Michigan State. Was that game in Japan? The game was in Japan, and I gotta tell you, man, what? we had. That I had, I told Mike this, and I was like, I have to ask him about this because it might just thinking about. I, I didn't mean I didn't mean to interrupt you, but just thinking about yeah. a football game. In Japan, like, because I've watched, I've watched, you know, the way they spectate sports over there, and you know, not like America. So, I, what, what was the crowd like? What was that experience like? Oh, it was, it was, it was insane. The whole week there, I mean, everything leading up to the game was just, I mean, it was storybook. It was just incredible. You know, uh, here you are, these young kids, you know, coming out of Wisconsin in Tokyo. 
you know, walking around the streets of, of you know, the Rapungi area, which is like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. which is like their, their, you know, downtown Manhattan. Yeah, that's like their red light district. Yeah, yep. red light district. I mean, you know, you got all these big, you know, six four, six eight, six nine. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine people's faces what they must have looked like. I mean, they, we probably they probably thought, man, who are all these Godzillas walking around? <laughs> it was just, an, it was just a, uh, it was insane. And then to be able to play the game, then, uh, you know, it was real strategic, man. You know, they uh, one of the things, and I think Coach Alvarez talked about this a lot. Uh, one of the things that they wound up doing is helping us to to prepare us to to deal with the uh, you know um, the the sleep deprivation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we were doing was they changed our whole schedule around. Like we they they had us wearing sunglasses throughout the whole day to give you the perception that it was night. Oh and wow! And then and then we did our practices at like twelve o'clock at night. So they did whatever he that's. See that's and he is. I want to. I'm going to ask you a question about Alvarez in a second too, because I'm very interested in, in him. But that's in. That's see. That's I was always wondering. You play a football game that's, yeah. in Japan. What you do? And I guess even back then he was doing his best to try to acclimate you to what the the conditions were going to be, the sleep deprivation. Were you when you played the game? Did you feel jet lag still, or by that time did you guys have a few days to acclimate? Everybody, honestly, when we got there, there was no jet lag. We had no jet lag. Now we can't say the same thing for Michigan State, but we were. We were beyond prepared. I mean, we had, I mean, guys were bouncing off the walls ready to play. No tiredness, none of that. I mean, and also before that game, you guys knew Ohio State had lost, so if you won that game, you were in the Rose Bowl. Exactly. Well, you ended that up. First, that was the first time since 1964. Yeah, and, that, and that team you guys had, that Wisconsin team, I mean, you guys in 93 kind of put them on the map. And then, you know, they've had they've been kind of at the top and played well. I've won a ton of bowl games since then. Uh, Alvarez, what do you think is the reason? Because he, he had, um, especially in end of the 90s, he had chances. If he wanted to, he could have went to the NFL and be a coach if he wanted to. And he never chose to do that. He always stayed and coached Wisconsin. He, he loved Wisconsin. He stayed there the whole time. Why do you think it is he never went to the NFL? <sighs> That's a tough question to really answer. I mean, uh, you know, he came out of the Iowa tradition of, of coaches. I mean, uh, I mean, you know, these guys... You know when they when they build something, I mean, it makes sense. You know why why walk away from it when you've had a tremendous amount of success? I mean, you can only make so much money. You know, what I mean, once you once you get to that seven figure column, it's all relative at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. You do it for the love of the game. You do it for the kids. And I got to tell you, man, Coach Alvarez is really you know one of the things I love about Coach Alvarez. And you know, I, and initially when you come out of school, you kind of you don't really know because you're younger. You know, what I mean, these are these are grown men with families and doing their thing. But you know, I've seen the things that Coach Alvarez has done in terms of bringing guys back, helping them finish their education. You know, going out, going out for guys. You know, really, really going out and really helping players. Not just, I mean, guys. I mean, guys that come back all the time, and he's willing to help them, especially if they didn't get their degree. So, you know, I have a lot of respect for Coach Alvarez. I mean, I, I you know, I, I wasn't fortunate enough. I think at my position at, at Mike linebacker. You know, I didn't really, I wasn't that close with him. But after I left and kind of, you know, started working uh, and doing my thing, you know, I, I have a, I've, I've developed a real tremendous amount of respect, especially seeing what the, a lot of that he's done, not only the community in Madison, but just for a lot of players that have gone, maybe they didn't make it in the NFL, but trying to come back and get their degree. It really is, uh, I got to give him his props for that. So talking to that point, you, after... Finished, you know, becoming a champion, Robo, playing the Mike linebacker, leading the team in tackles in the championship game. 
you went uh, to the NFL, right? And and got on with the Green Bay Packers for a little bit. I wouldn't really call it getting on. I mean, I got picked up as a free agent, um, but I wound up getting released right before camp started. Um, so you know, it was a, it was a it was a mild accomplishment. Nothing I could actually put on my resume, but you know, it was it was good to to go through the experience of being you know trying trying to get there. One thing I realized is that you know. It, it, I don't. I can't even really put into words that how lucky you have to get a chance to play in the league. Yeah. I mean, it could, I mean, it's just the, the the numbers, the odds, and statistics against you actually getting there are what, so low. What was the competition? What was the competition like compared to well, you know, with just the small sample size that you were exposed to compared to playing at the collegiate level? Well, I don't think that the, the competition was much greater than what we were playing at. We were already playing at the top. You know, the Big Ten, we had clawed our way to the top of the Big Ten. So, you know, the step to the NFL, you know, it's a it's a faster game. But I think you're not you're a professional. So you're preparing every week, week on end. Um, you're getting bigger, stronger, faster because you're that's what you do 24 hours a day. Right. Um, in, in college, there is somewhat of a break or it's supposed to be there um, in terms of being a student. You know, there is that student athlete aspect of it. You know, I mean, to be honest with you, I think I could have been a fairly good Mike linebacker in the league. You know, maybe like a Mike Singletary type guy. But, you know, things didn't work out for me and I don't have any regrets. So your heart is everything I did. So when it comes to the NFL, your heart still stays with New York. So... Speaking about Absolutely. that, the two the two teams, the two uh, football teams that reside in New York, the New York Giants and the New York Jets, tell us about your relationship regarding the two of those teams. So you know what? It's, it's, it's in, in growing up, of course, I was a I was a Jet fan and a Giant fan. I know some people. It's like being a Mets fan and a Yankee fan. Some people, it's like oil and water. Oh like, my God! What are we talking about here? You yeah, your double I'm, fandom? I'm saying, <laughs> I like both teams, man. I mean. Both teams had great, great talent. You know, Ken O'Brien, I mean, they, they had some good talent there. Freeman McNeil, Al Toon, yeah. Wisconsin, great. How could you hear? Oh, you're, you're, talking at, you're talking at my heartstrings right now, talking about my boys. Right? How could you that's, my, that's my Jets and my youth that some people <laughs> don't saying, realize. I'm right there. That's what you're saying. See, you said, you know, Ken O'Brien was AFC Player of the Year in 1985, not Dan Marino. No one, he actually had some good years, Ken O'Brien. <laughs> hey, I, people hate on him. I'm just saying, I don't hate on any of those guys, you know, and, and even, even, uh, shoot, man, Freeman McNeil, I was, uh, when I was selected, uh, Ball City, we did a, a thing out on Long Island, uh, for one of, one of the papers, like, Ball City papers, and Freeman McNeil was there, he was, t- I got pictures with him from when I was in high school, taking wow. the scats, gave back in the community, man, so, I have mad love for the Jets, and I have mad love for the Giants, too, because the Giants, they came to our high school, you know, we had defensive linemen, uh, you know, would come to our high school and, and give give us little speeches. You know, we high school kids in the Bronx, man. You know, and so I, I mean, it was all about. I love the Jets and the Giants. You know what? Because because of, of how good you were and the level you got to playing football, you kind of got a different exposure to each team, especially locally where we live, because you lived in New York. So I, that makes more sense to me now. Right? Yeah, he has a different perspective because he was actually like in the game, you know. And well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so let me ask you something, Yusef. Saying being that that you liked the, both the Jets and the Giants, what did you think about the 2018 draft when the New York Giants selected Barkley, Saquon Barkley, instead of Sam Darnold, and what that potentially means for both franchises? Well, okay. Well, I'm gonna give it my best take on. In this league, I still believe that the NFL, even though 
is a throw league, you got to be able to run the ball. And you just look at Saquon Walker's rookie year, what he did this year. If he can remain healthy, I mean, the sky's the limit for what this kid could do. I mean, yeah. it is it is off the charts type stuff, right? I mean, because the rookie year, you're going to the Pro Bowl. You, I mean, as a running back, it, it's you know, it's very interesting to watch. Now, I, I don't, I'm not hating on Sam. I like him. My point is, is just that I think he's a good quarterback. But in the end. This league is about offensive line. You got to be able to block. You got to be able to run. Right. And unfortunately, I think that if the Jets can surround him, they need to put together a quality offensive line. The last thing I, last time I checked on week 18, they didn't really do a good job in terms of where the offensive line was rated. They oh, rated God. Oh, was the worst. So you got to be able to protect your quarterback. And you got to be able to open up holes for your running. So, yeah, I, I hear that. Um, I would rather have Darnold on the Giants. Wait, wait, wait. Do we have to walk a, a Giant fan weighing in here? Hold on a second. Go ahead. I would rather have Sam on the Giants right now. And it's no knock on Saquon, the, the, the person himself. I'm sure he's a, a lovely human being. And he's got gigantic thighs. And he probably stomped the crap out of me anyway. So, <laughs> but are you quarterback? Well, what are we going to do this year now? What? Well, the way the way that I've heard some Giant fans say it, and you've said it to me in the past, is oh, that, man. and even I'll say Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley might be a once and like a, oh, like you said, would say. Yeah. So that's true. He he looks like he's like in the hall, could be a Hall of Famer already. Yeah. But the thing is, in the NFL, in the in the draft, you in the second and third round, there's there's running backs yeah. too, but quarterbacks there there's not. Yeah. So if the Giants miss their chance, if right. they which we don't know that the thing is. We're, we're just pretending like we know the future. Giants, yeah, might, Giants might get a quarterback this year. It doesn't matter. They might, yeah. draft, they might draft a Haskins from Ohio yeah. State, and it's all good. But the thing is, if you in this league now, yeah. I agree with everything that you said about Saquon because he yep. actually looks like he's Absolutely. Jim Brown in 2018. So I'm not even going to hate. But if you if you pass up on a QB, yeah. right? Say say you miss that franchise. Say, say, hear, hear me out. Best case scenario, Saquon plays 10 years. Right. That's the best case scenario. Yeah. More than likely, like most running backs, say he plays 7 or 8 years. Most good right. quarterbacks play 15, 16, 17. The investment, yeah. sometimes... You're getting more back on it. But the yeah. thing is, we don't know what's going to happen. No, he already proved not. himself, Saquon. He's yeah. in the Pro Bowl immediate. Yeah. So you, I can't say the Giants no, made he, a bad he's pick. Un, he's unbelievable. I can't say they made a bad pick. The only thing is, if they think they're going to roll with Eli... Oh, God. Next year... Now, I'm not even hating. Eli didn't play as bad as people think last year. But... That's another team that's offensive line. The Jets, like he said, the Jets' offensive line last year, they, they were trying to get Darnell killed. Like, they oh, yeah. were, they were, all we talked about all year in this podcast was, like, are you kidding me? Like, if you give this kid, like, like Goff, the first year with the Rams, remember he, how bad he was? Because they couldn't protect him. Yeah. Then they invested in the line, they drafted well. All of a sudden, Goff, same quarterback, the leap, the leap he had was, like, through the roof. You know, and I'm not saying that. You know, when their offensive lines were bad last year, it was like a blue and green, two two blue and green giant dumpsters, and somebody threw gasoline on them and <laughs> just lit a match and threw it on them. So, Yusef, being to what you said about the offensive line, being that Sam Darnold was the youngest starting quarterback in the history of the NFL, and the schedule, Todd Bowles as a coach, and all the things and variables, how do you think Sam Darnold did his rookie season overall? I mean, you can only rate them by what they produce, right? Right. So, I mean, I think that... It's a tough year. I think he had some success in the year. He won some games. I mean, but, you know, they still had a losing record. So I don't fault him for it. I think he, he made some good plays. He made some made some bad plays, too. Uh, but, I, but I think he's only going to get better. And, if, like I said, if they get around him by an offensive lineman, uh, offensive line that, that, you know, that is just straight ballers and guys that want to go pound people, I think he I think he can have a, a very successful he, – he, he's definitely the – Jets quarterback in the future. 
just that you got to surround him by an offensive line who can protect him and let, make sure he doesn't wind up as some of the other first-round draft picks that the Jets have had not in the league anymore. Or, you know, if they are, they're back up. Understood. What do you think about, you know, we, we on this podcast murdered Todd Bowles as a coach and his staff and how his staff was developing Sam and we just hired a new coach in, Jer- in um, Adam Gase Adam and Gase. Greg Williams. What do you think of those hires? And do you think that do you see the Jets competing next year? I mean, I don't really know much about I don't really know much about Adam. I mean, what I do know is that you know he comes out of the Nick Saban, uh, you yep. know, line of coaches. Yep. I mean, he was at he was at Michigan State, and actually one of my good friends uh, who played football in Wisconsin with me, uh, Mel Tucker, who's now the uh, coach at the University of Colorado, came out of that. Same program. Mm-hmm. He was a GA at Michigan State. Followed him to LSU. Coached DBs. Wound up going to Ohio State. Won national championships, so on and so forth. Had a very successful career coaching. So I mean, I think he, I think he could do a good job. I mean, he's got, he's got great training under Nick Saban and a lot of the other coaches that that he's, he's been under. I think. I mean, I'm willing to. I mean, I, you know, again, you judge, you judge people by their, by their three seasons in Miami, 23 and 25. I mean, it's not, not fantastic but I mean I don't really know enough to be honest with you to really give an educated opinion about a coach I mean I, I, I look at the coach I look at his record and see but I I do think that they can surround him with good with talented personnel on the whole line um, I think they I think they it's a recipe for success well we hope now, that did you see did you see the press conference you said with Adam Gase and his crazy ass eyeballs <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. no, you didn't see. All right, you know what? Yeah, if you didn't see it, then I don't want to. I don't want to even have him go Google it right now. Because if, if, if he takes his phone out right now, he's gonna be like, "What the <laughs> hell is this dude talking about?" Psycho. This is what I know. This is what I know. You have a successful businessman right now. He's in risk management. If someone went into his office and he interviewed them and they sat down and looked like Adam Gase, oh, he would God. call security. He would call security. Oh, He'd be like, "Yo, can someone?" He'd get his phone and be like, "No, I'm just gonna. I'm just talking." Well, can someone come up here and get this guy out of my get office? Get him out of the office now. Because I feel like this is a meth head about to attack me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's get back and, on track. And, and you know what? And we hope that that success is going to end up coming, Yusef. So the Jets hired Greg Williams as a defensive coordinator. Greg Williams, a, known, a lot of success on the NFL. His defenses and his attitude as a person, fiery, aggressive, yep. get after the quarterback. I have a couple questions. One, is that the type of defensive coordinator you preferred playing for when you played football? Was it someone that you know wanted to get after the quarterback, be aggressive? Maybe sometimes you get aggressive and you get burned, but more often than not, at least you know you're going after the quarterback and not playing it safe. Is that, is that the type of defense coordinator you preferred? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you, you want a guy because, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a game of risk. You know, it's a game of ventures, and you got to take risks. Uh, if you're not taking any risk, you sit back and you're just playing zone. And, you know, you you gotta you gotta lock up man to man and go after people. I like it. That's what I'm saying. The game the game is about hitting people in the mouth. Exactly. And do you, do you think do you think teams, especially it doesn't seem to happen the most on offense, but do you think teams defensively take on to a degree the personality of their defensive coordinator? Because when the Jets had Rex Ryan. He pretty much ran the defense the way he thought and spoke is the way the defense played. And with Greg Williams' defenses, the way he is as a person, yeah. aggressive, lunatic, the right. defense is always played. Do you, do, you think that's, do you think that's just talk from fans and pundits? Do you think a team can actually, to a degree, when they're coached and they're with someone that much in the, in the room, out there, tr- tr- practicing every day, do you think they can kind of take on the personality of their coaches to a degree? I, I, I 100% agree with that. I mean, when I was at Wisconsin, Dan McCartney was the – was D coordinator and this guy was a I mean he 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 walked everywhere he walked it was like he was 
you know, <laughs> you know, on the, I mean, his his hyperness was just incredible. I mean, I used to wonder how this guy, when does he sleep? You know, because he just never seemed like he was always hyped up, ready to go, ready to practice, get better. And he was a fiery guy. He was in your face, and you know, he wanted he wanted to be aggressive. You know, and we played that way. You know, and I think that uh, you know, Greg will be a if, he, if that's his personality, his team is definitely going to take it on. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on me. Tom Brady's 41. We know he's about to play in his ninth Super Bowl. And I find it, you know, I've, I've, I've said whenever you're on social media, don't mess with any of the people, the haters, the, the people who are going to say all that stuff, you know. And I, I did what I should not have done, and I got in a Twitter fight with a bunch of Patriot fans. But I, but I couldn't help my you said but listen 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 I couldn't help myself because uh, Manish Mehta who is a reporter on the Daily News wrote an article gushing about Tom Brady calling him the best ever. What do you what do you think about these new, these guys working for the Daily News these jet beat writers that are talking about and blushing about Tom Brady, the rival, and calling him the greatest ever. Now, if you feel that way, that's one thing. But, like, why go out there on a limb and do that? What do you think about that, Yousef, as a native New Yorker? Well, of course. I mean, you know, he, he should probably be fired the fact that he's in New York and he's gushing over in New England. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Put him on black! But, I mean, yeah, you, you, I mean, no, that alone right there. You know, I mean, that's, that's a millennial thing, I guess, but... You know, you just gotta. You know, I mean, I have to say, you know, and, and Mike, I know you're feeling on Brady, and, I, and I, I respect it. But I mean, I'm not gonna gush over Brady. And while he was at Michigan, I mean, I didn't, I didn't like Michigan any time that I was. I stood on to this day. But I will say, the guy wins. So I'll just, I'll just leave it at that and uh, let you proceed I, to your next question. I, I, I understand. Now, now, here's the thing. I did get into it with these Patriot fans because. I, what I said to Manish Mehta was, how is he, how can you be considered the greatest player of all time with a suspension of four games for cheating on your resume? And then these Patriot fans try to come back and they're like, oh, you don't know anything about what happened. He didn't cheat. And then I literally went and got the actual uh, legal notice that the NFL sent and why he was suspended. And I posted that and they were like, oh, for 10.03 uh, PSI. And I'm like, yo. He cheated. Like, he broke... Like, like, what do you... Like, I don't... You want to debate what that did? You could, We could debate, like, how it affected it, but he did cheat, okay? And he did... He was part of the whole Spygate thing with him getting radio signals in his helmet and whatnot. So, how, Yousef, do you justify calling someone the greatest of all time? Well, he didn't say that, though. Manish Mehta said that. <laughs> no, 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 no not, not Yousef. I'm asking Yousef, how does Manish Mehta... But justify it calling somebody the greatest of all time, you know, with that on his record. I mean, the only thing that I could think about is that he, he justifies it only based on the production of what he's done in his career. And if you if you're a guy and you've gone to nine Super Bowls and won five of them with the potential to win a six, uh, I mean, is there another quarterback that has done that? No, but how about how about Bar is Barry Bonds the greatest baseball player of all time? No, probably not. But I mean, I don't think most I don't think people were ever trying to say that he was the greatest of all time. Well, his numbers should justify that. His production well, justifies it. Well, he has like every record, Barry. But the, I know what Mike's trying. Mike's trying yeah. to say this that in baseball, 
where where people have, for instance, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens have every record in the world, yep. and they just for the third or fourth, oh well, I think the fifth year in a row didn't make the Hall of Fame ballot because because of suspicion of cheating. Yep. Whereas instead of there being suspicion of Tom Brady cheating, he actually got suspended and it was caught. Yep. And there's videotapes of guys going in bathrooms with footballs, yep. which why? Well, I mean, that's we're not making that up. That actually happened, you know. And and then Tom Brady took his phone, smashed it into a thousand pieces when they wanted to search it, and then said. That's what I do with my oh, phone. Why are you breaking your phone? I, I always... Because all of us... So wait, you break your phone? Because all of us, when we get a new smartphone, bash it into a hundred pieces. So Mike's just trying... I think he's, Mike's trying to compare apples to apples in that scenario. I get it. And, and I and I can't say definitively that he... I mean, you if you say he's the greatest of all time, then you have to add the asterisk. Thank you. Which is, which is, which is, which is, I mean, legitimately that you have to add that. Thank you. That's what my point was. Right. Right. And I I don't disagree with you on that one. I mean, but, but just on the fact of the number of wins and he, to, to do it year over year over year, I mean, it's impressive. I mean, it's, I mean, it, you know, I I can't really think about it. I mean, I've never, I've never played at that kind of level. I mean, it's, it's impressive to see and impressive to watch. So to beat Tom Brady, what do the Rams have to do in Super Bowl 53 to do that from what from what you've seen? You know, knowing the strengths of the team. You know, you got a young coach like Tom, uh, like McVay. You've got Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, you know, uh, Aaron Donald. What, what do the Rams have to do to stop Tom Brady and the Patriots? I think the Rams need to play the game. I mean, they, they've had a lot of success running the rock. Uh, if they can run the ball... The question really to me is whether or not the what happens with New England's defense. If New England's defense shows up and, and the Rams' offensive line is not able to to gap, them, uh, I mean it might be a quick and early game. <laughs> but if I, I think if they can, you know, you got to run to set up the pass or the pass to set up the run. However, it works. And I mean, it, it, they got to be able to run the ball. And I mean, the Rams have been successful doing it. You know, on the defensive side, Donald played the year of defense. I mean, he got spectacular. Uh, the Dominican Sue, Michael Burters. I mean, they, they've got some talent on their on their t- uh, brokers. Uh, they got some talent on their team. If, if these guys, if these guys come and play, um, especially in Dominican Sue, I mean, I, I, it just sometimes seems like sometimes he shows up and other times he's nowhere to be found. Right, right. Um, it seems like when teams have had success against the Patriots, like when when you and you watch Tom Brady when he's in the pocket. Now he's a statue. Yeah. But when when the rush comes from the left or the right. On Tom Brady, he just steps to the left two steps, steps to the right two steps. But when the rush comes up the middle on him, when you have a good like a like yeah. a with puck with, with the Giants, yeah. and you have so many examples, when you get a rush and you could push back up the middle, yeah. that's the only times you really see Brady get flustered, maybe have not a great game. And <laughs> well, it's always been if you can get to Brady with four without blitzing, then you got a great shot at winning the game. And I, I, I mean, I, you'd have to go back at all the games, but I'm sure that the numbers at this point uh, prove that. You know, law of averages, that's that's the case, but. If you can get pressure up front with him, and you get him a little nervous back there, and you, you know, get him thinking about that forty-one-year-old knee, you know, yogurt baths <laughs> or not, whatever he's doing, taking Bana- showers in the essence. banana pancakes, sponge yeah, baths, you know, whatever he's doing, yeah, playing, you know, play, <laughs> playing basketball with you know Heather Locklear, whatever. But you know what? Last week, last week when you watched the Chiefs play them, and I think this is why their defensive coordinator got fired. Like you can't when you play the pass, you can't not. You, they just didn't jam any receivers the whole game. Like Edelman. Right. 
Edelman is what he does within 15 yards of, of the splat oh. scrimmage. He's one of the best receivers probably in the league. Which past that, everyone, a lot of guys better than him. But right, they they didn't. If you have Talib, who's one of the most physical corners, if you at least could have two good corners like Eddie, and you you have to get up and jam these dudes. Like yeah. last week, the Chiefs played off the line. They played off them the whole game for whatever reason. But the Chiefs, and they had the most sacks in the league this year. The Chiefs, their defense, number one team in sacks. They didn't get. Well, they got. I should say they got one hand on Brady. Yeah. That didn't actually touch him, but they got a 15-yard penalty for roughing the passer. So I shouldn't say they didn't get a hand on him, but very close to not touching him the whole day. So um, that's what I'm worried about is, are they going to be able, Sue and Donald, like uh, like Yusef mentioned, that those two guys right there, they're going to have to, that, that that's make or break right that's there. Because the up the middle, if they can get pressure, they can do it with four, yep. and you can you can at least try to do a zone or whatever you have to do and jam these receivers. To me, that's the only way they're going to be able to slow down the Patriots' That'd offense. Be, that would be awesome. If they I agree, I, Keith. I completely agree with you. And, I, and when looking at the Rams' defense, if you saw when they played against the Saints, they did not let Michael Thomas beat them. They did not let Drew Brees really beat them. They let they let Alvin Kamara catch out routes, you know, for five, six, four yards, and that was it. They let him have the sides. They didn't make any allow him to take any big runs up front. And I think they're going to do the, have the same type of defensive game plan regarding uh, the weapons of the Patriots. They're not going to let Tom Brady try to beat them with Julian Edelman. I think they're going to allow James White to go catch off in the flats for like four or five yards, try to limit them that way. Don't let Gronk try to beat you over the middle and attack up the middle like you like Yusef said and you said with with Aaron Donald. And with Ndamukong Sue, that is going to be key to be, you cannot allow Sony and Michelle to go wild. If you look at the last couple of games, the Patriots have been capitalizing off of running. Look at Michelle's numbers the last few games. They're insane. He's going, he's going crazy. Insane. They have to stop that run. And they've got to make sure that the Patriots get to off to a slow start, just like the last two Super Bowls against the Falcons and against the Eagles. They cannot let them get out of the gate, you know, going crazy. And like I said last week, Keith, regarding the Rams offense, Todd, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about C- Cedric the Entertainer. I want to talk about Todd Gurley. Mike, Mike, I'm going to tell you right now. Cedric's winning the Super Bowl MVP. Do not ever speak about Anderson ever again. He is an elite level fat guy player. And you're hating. You're you're being a sizist just because he has a belly right now. He's going to Disney World, Mike. <laughs> Yousef, we're calling CJ Anderson wasn't, Cedric the Entertainer. Wasn't his wife just pregnant? Did she just he had that like what do you call it the uh, pregnancy? Weight yeah, I think he gained, he, he gained weight with the wife. You know, and, and in that game, Mike, you're right. In that game, Saints Rams. Kamara had 11 catches for almost 100, and Thomas only had 36 yards. So they were able to take him out of the game. But the thing with the Pats is that they don't have a Michael Thomas. You know, they had Gordon, who actually was doing. He got yeah. as the year went on, he was getting better and better and better. Josh Gordon. So I'm really, I kind of, I do feel bad for him. The situation he's in. I know he's in um, a drug rehab facility now again. Which is unfortunate. So the, with the Pats, though, last week all of a sudden Gronk comes alive. And it seems like with a playoff start, he's like Frankenstein. His pump my blood into him. He all of a sudden he's a great player again. The electricity starts pumping. With the Pats and their offense, I mean, Mike, and in and, and so far as how what they need to do to win the game, Mike, what do you think when it comes to the Pats or the Keys? Because the the Rams, as the year went on, Mike, and you said their, their defense, even though their defense is good, and even though they have Donald and Sue. They weren't the best team somehow at stopping the run. Yeah, they, they, no, they got after the quarterback good. But somehow against the run, I think it's because they sell out so hard to get to the quarterback. Yeah. They get burned a lot. But if the Pats can control the ball and run the ball, and that's what Yusef mentioned before, 
it's going to be, I think, if they're able to run the ball at all, it's going to be a long day for the Rams. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. And uh, I think the keys to the game really are keep Brady clean and allow the running game to gain ground and eat up clock and play their game. They know how to see defenses and play and react against defenses. You know, really, it's going to come down to coaching and when they have to make those second-half adjustments. I mean... You know, I was I was talking about how how do we know the Patriots didn't cheat in Super Bowl Fifty One when they came all the way back? You know, you you could say whatever you want to say. They made those adjustments against those Falcons and they came back and won. And that's what makes separate the good coaches from the great coaches. Being able to see a play that you play and have success against, or you're being hurt against, go in and then scheme around that play and come back and use them their own play against them. That's what great coaches do. And we're going to see if the young McVeigh is able to handle Bill Belichick and uh, and the New England Patriots. Oh, my God. It just makes me sick in my stomach thinking about it. I don't want to. That, that, that Belichick could tie, what's his face, Alice and Landry. As Tom the, Landry? As, as yeah. the three coaches have six, six titles. I don't, you know, I don't want to hear it. And, you know, to me, this game comes down to, honestly... It's going to come down, and Dominic and Sue, like Yusef said, he's he can be hit or miss, and when he's on, because oh, it's not even like he's played that many years, but he's, he's, he's far enough into his career where sometimes when you get the vets, and you guys know, yeah. they'll have, maybe they'll have three or four games that are on that level, and then they'll have a game, they just are like they're in their prime again. Yep. So if you get they're that from him in Super Bowl game, game yeah. but to me, Aaron Donald, he's the best defensive player in the league, defensive player of the year last year, he's the difference to me, to the Rams winning or losing this game, of all the players on the Rams, because... If he can do what he normally does, and he'll get a couple of sacks a game. I mean, the guy's the guy's a monster. He gets a sack almost every single game. But if he doesn't get a sack, he gets to the quarterback almost seven or eight times. Yeah. So, and, he, and he's he's doing that from the middle. He's doing that from the defensive tackle position, which is so rare. It just this doesn't happen. And if he can do that in the Super Bowl, I think that's that's the difference. If he can actually get to Brady, Sue also, and like I said, they can press press the receivers. But to me, the game's gonna be on Aaron Donald's shoulders. What, what do you think, Mike? Do you think? On the Rams and the Pats, who do you think is the biggest difference maker on either team, Mike? I have to say the biggest difference maker defensively would be Aaron Donald. And for the Patriots, you know, defensively, I would say that, um, what's his name? Trey Flowers? Flowers, yeah. right? Flowers would probably be the biggest uh, piece defensively for the Patriots. But, you know, offensively, the key game is going to be, obviously, it's Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady and offensively for the Patriots, and it's going to be, and it's Todd Gurley. And it, and I always say, I, I believe this with the Rams, Todd Gurley, if Todd Gurley is playing at his level, I think the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, let, Mike, let's get into that. I want to ask Yusef, too. So, Todd Gurley, so he had an injury, he comes right. back, and he was. They said he was healthy. Now, Cedric came in, C.J. Anderson, yep. and if you look at his stats... And he was, he's been, and their offensive line on the Rams, this is one that we haven't mentioned. They have one of the best offensive lines in the oh, league. Oh, yeah. That, that's, that's five big, yep. grown adult humans just throwing people out the way. So that's, that offensive line is legit. Give them credit. They protect golf, and whether it's Anderson or it's Gurley, they've been able to run the ball. Oh, yeah. Um, But the thing is that Cedric went in and he tore it up. I think I almost think the Rams are like all right, so we have Gurley and we have him. But yeah. last week was strange because Gurley's one hundred percent, or so yeah, they I say. Didn't know what was going so on. they say, right? And I know he had um, a big time drop that ended up being an interception, the ball that ricocheted off him. And then last week they didn't really go back to him. But Todd Gurley is one of the top three, four, five um, players in the whole league yeah. in the MVP candidate last year. 
So what do you think? Do you think that he is banged up? Do you think in the Super Bowl, maybe they're playing a coin, he's going to get 20 carries? Rookie? Let's go to the Wookiee they, right uh, they, behind the glass. They, they, better, they had better give him the ball 20-plus times in this game because if, if Todd Gurley can have a... I reference it because of fantasy football. If Todd Gurley can have a uh, a 23-24 point fantasy football game. I mean, he 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 he's poised at any time. He can drop two touchdowns, a hundred and you know, 130, 140 plus yards, and now he can start adding catches out of the backfield sometimes as well. So, if he has a huge game like that, and the defense stops Michelle and that running game, it could be a very early. Night Let me ask you guys game. though. Say all right, look, Super Bowl. It's third. It's uh, third and goal. Yep. From the two. Right. Throwing a slant. No, I'm just asking you. Third and goal. Third and goal from the two or the one. Are you handing the ball off to Gurley? Right. Or do you look over, eye contact with Cedric, send him in? He bellies the way through because yo, he has been Mike in the red zone. You've been hating on him. All he's been doing is scoring touchdowns and running people over. So I know, I know how he looks physically. But I'll tell you what, the aesthetic sometimes is, doesn't tell you how much good athlete someone is. Right. And all he's done, because he has nowhere in care, he didn't play all year. So he came in the end of the year 100% fresh. Oh, really he's well. playing dudes week 13 and 14 that played the whole season. Yep. And Yusef will tell you, man, when you get to the 14th game of a season, oh, I don't know, but I'm assuming by that point, even a defense offense, you have to be a little bit banged up. I would definitely think you are. I mean, I you know, coming in fresh like that, it's crazy. And hey, if I can make one other point about uh, you know Aaron Donald, you know he's not really that he's not that big of a guy. You know he's six one two eighty. You got to figure he's been playing the whole year, so he's probably trimmed down a little bit, maybe two seventy or so. You know, that guy's got to be. You think about what this guy does in the middle. He's got to be a freak of nature in the weight room, right? Because he's he's pushing around these 325 pound lineman like it's water. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. You know what? And yeah. you're, that's so true. I heard that one time, now I, I'm not going to pretend like I know like Yusef or Mark Schlereth or any of these guys' technique I, I, that well, but when they, I saw on ESPN, Mark Schlereth was saying, because they say, they say Donald, yeah, listen to 6'1", he's probably like 6 feet tall. Yeah. 5'11", 6 feet. And he is like a jack 270 though. And they almost said because of his height, because of the leverage you can get underneath someone, just like MMA, just right. like if you didn't, you said you got into an altercation with someone. If you get under someone and get leverage, that person's done. Yeah. And that's what he does. The offensive dudes that are six five, you know what? Most centers and guards aren't as big as the tackles, but they're still giant oh, humans. God, these are huge. these are giants among men. They're huge. And he he manages. You you, know, you you never see him go backwards. Like he's no. like a sumo wrestler. You know, he's like he always goes forward. He plows forward. That no, dude. It's unreal. So let me so let me ask the big question, Wookie. I'll ask you first. Who wins Super Bowl 53 and what's the final score? Oh my god. Uh, wow, okay. Here we go. All right. Um without without trying to overthink it, overanalyze it, I say I say the Rams win the Super Bowl. It's 24 to 20. 24. Rams win the Super Bowl 24-20. Yeah, because you know what? You can't think that any team coached by Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl is going to be blown out because the ones they've won and the ones they've lost have all yeah. been close. Yeah. They've won all these all the Super Bowls they've won. Take a look. Have been within like a field goal yeah. or three or four points. Even when they beat the Panthers, it was three points. They beat the Seahawks when they threw the interception. They could have won the game. All these ones they've won, even versus the, uh, the Falcons in overtime. So they play close games whether they win or yeah, lose. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I'm also going to pick the Rams because for a few reasons. One, I can. I just there's nothing inside of my soul that can allow me to pick the Patriots to win. Like I'll, I'll go against my better judgment and what's going on because it's just uh, at some point it has to end. Yeah. At some point. It's just like when you have a bad dream, you wake up at some point, and this just hasn't happened yet. And they were, like I always say, 
a pathetic garbage, just, just absolute pathetically uh, moribund franchise until the year 2001. And they've had this amazing run. But all these runs end. And, I mean, they're in the Super Bowl, so we're not saying the Get arthritis already, Tom. <laughs> exactly. Can you get a bad hip already, dude? Oh, God. But, we're, we're bunions. Something. But I do think, I actually do think, I know that the Rams haven't been great in stopping the run, and the, and the, the Pats have been running the ball. Yeah. But... I think the Rams match up pretty well with the Pats. I think they have really good corners out there that can press their receivers, like I mentioned, better than the Chiefs, better than any of the teams they played so far in the playoffs. Or better than a lot of teams they played this year, to be honest. And I think Goff has proven last week, throughout the year, in the last two seasons, he's a pretty cool customer. Yeah. Under fire. I know those California quarterbacks, Brady's one of them, Rogers one of them, Sandow knows one of them. These dudes are, you know, they're pretty chill dudes, and Goff doesn't seem to crack under pressure. They still have Gurley. He's almost like an untapped source in the playoffs so far. He yeah. hasn't done anything. He better as Um, I know Cup's out, but the receivers on the Rams are still pretty good. Yep. Um, Cooks is, you know, like Mike said, a great story about Cooks this week. He's bringing a custodian and his son to the Super Bowl. So, because of all these things, I have to, I have to go for the Rams. Mike, yeah. I'm going to say Rams. I can't pick a blowout, but 27-24 Rams. Let's go get a W. Get well, <laughs> let me just say this. Um... When Sean McVay was 15 years old, the Patriots won their very first Super Bowl. And they won their very first Super Bowl against the Rams. And I think they're going to win their last Super Bowl against the Rams. And I don't want to say that, but you know, my soul, it's been suffering for the last almost two decades. And I just feel that the circle of life, you know, there's a circle of life, you know. And I just think that this is the circle and the completion of this terror that we know as the cheating Patriots. And I think that Bill Belichick and his experience, I think Tom Brady, his experience, I think that um, what the Patriots have done, what happened last year to them, losing to uh, Napoleon Dynapite and and the Eagles, um, I just think that they're not going to allow that to happen again. And... They're going to win their next championship, and then Brady's going to retire, and the era of Sam Darnold will begin. All right, Mike, there's the circle of life, but also Buddhists believe in this thing called karma, which means that your your decisions you make in one life will affect your future lives. So yeah. I'm, what I'm hoping is this. Yes, the Patriots whooped the Rams however many years ago it was, but Mike, wasn't that the first year in the evidence booth? The things that got stomped out in Patriots headquarters of the filming of the practices. So I'm not gonna go. You, Mike gets really upset and emotional when we talk about the Patriots. So I'm not gonna go down this road. I'm not gonna get him. I'm not yeah. gonna get him upset. But I, I just have to hope my karma. Something. I mean, I know there's a good Lord up there. He's floating around this entity up there, and he's looking down. Like I said to Mike many times, he's not. He doesn't care about American sports. He doesn't right. care about football. Right. There's bigger things on his schedule. Bigger things on his plate. However, if if at some time he glances over. It's like, oh, let me look at this football thing. He's going to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's correct this. Because this has been going on too long. Because yeah. evil has gone on too long. Yeah. And that's why I exist to snuff that out. Mike, I'm sorry. I got on my pulpit right there real quick. They asked a couple of fans from St. Louis, and they said, what team are you going to root for? The team that left you or the team that cheated you? And they all unanimously said they're going for the Rams. They would oh, never go for the New England Patriots. So with that being said, Yusef, who wins Super Bowl 53 and what is the final score? Well, let me just say, uh, it's been a pleasure. Keith, Woogie, Mike, Nick, it's been a pleasure being on with you guys. Uh, I've given a lot of thought to this. And, you know, I'm trying to, I'm not a big, big predictor of games other than, like I said, record. But, you know, hey, 
I come up with the, you know, my own way of thinking about it, and you know, I have my own use index, and so I've thrown a couple of things in there. <laughs> Wait a minute! Did you just hold on a the second? Hold on a second. Amazing. Hit the pause button. Did we just hear the Yousef Index reference? We have an index. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the Yousef Index will be referenced. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Please continue. So I've thrown a couple of things in there, starting with the head coach. You know, so Sean McVay, he's young. Obviously, you know, he's he's played. You know, he's a young cat, but he's had a tremendous amount of success. I mean, I, I give him points for that. Belichick, and I know, I know you guys, you know, Mike, I know you, you know, you disdain him, you know, cheater, whatever. But officially... He did touch the New York Jets organization for one day. Yeah. So, you know, you throw a little bit of that. And then he went to his fax machine and he was like, hold on a second. Let me fax over this resignation. You know, he the way he he broke up with the Jets, the way like 15-year-olds break up with their oh, girlfriends God. right now. Hi, we break up. Peace. <laughs> you Jets sent. I'm sorry. You, you brought up a dark time, you said. Okay, then moving on, I've got, you know, you throw in the Wisconsin mix because two players on each team, one player on each team. And actually, I was trying to see... Which player, you know, if there was two players on the Patriots or two players on the Rams, there's one each. James White with the New England with the running backs and then offensive tackle Rob Havenstein with the Rams. <sighs> so I can't really go with either of that. But so then I look at the quarterbacks and, you know, uh, golf versus Brady. And, I mean, unfortunately, I know Brady's getting a little bit older, but I, I, I have to lead toward who's one who's been in that situation because experience says a lot and so with that I, I'm going to have to pick New England over the Rams by 1.35-34 wow <laughs> okay Woo! and now more than likely if you look at it, it could set up especially this, the way this year went in the NFL this could be probably the highest scoring Super Bowl ever so yes now that he just said that score that, that's probably more realistic because the Chiefs the Rams the Saints the Pats they played a ton of games this year where they scored the high 30s. Oh, God, so, and I'm just hoping it's a great Super Bowl. This, this is what I'm hoping. All I can hope for is a great Super Bowl. It comes down to the end of the game and some horrific bad call happens that the Patriots lose. Or Tom Brady goes through the ball, slips out of his hand. The untuck rule. Some, some, yeah, the reverse of the tuck. Yeah. The reverse tuck rule. What, what, that's all we can hope for as Jets fans. Guys, another, another one in the books. Another great podcast in the books. I want to thank... Yousef for joining us, man. You did a great job. Thank you for blessing us with your knowledge, man. We really, really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. And, of course, behind the glass, we got the big, stinking Wookiee, the majestic beast back there. Thank you, Wookiee, for helping us out. Anytime. You guys have a good night. <laughs> Mike, on our social media, if anyone wants to get at us, tweet at us, continue to support us. Man, we want to thank everybody recently, everything. Even, even with the season over, yeah. more listeners every single week, which is tremendous. If they want to get asked any time, Mike, where can they do that? Well, as everybody knows, we are hosted on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes, iHeartRadio. Please follow us on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ Podcast, and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. You heard the man from Mike, Youssef, the Big Wookiee, Keith Farrell, AEBG for this week's out, man. Get at you next week. Let's go Rams. <laughs> oh. Are you ready? Can't win. The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans, Jet fans, Jet fans. Are very passionate. Ready, Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be sucks. Don't want a number leave.